Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm the one without a blue check. <laughs> on Twitter? Yeah. I'm like the least legitimate blue check on there. I do you shouldn't not, feel bad about that. I don't give a shit at all, actually. I got it because my production company was providing video services to a media company at the time, and all of their staff writers were getting verified because they're like semi-public figures, and I, like for some reason, got included on the email list, so I just wow. filled out the form. about that? I got it. I don't need that to be popular no. or to feel like I have a greater sense of self-worth. Nothing could move that needle, Ben. The way you can make yourself feel better, Adam, is by having a Star Trek podcast. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. We haven't opened cards in a while. Do you want to open some cards? Yeah, I gotta go get them cards, though. Go get them. All right. The game is five cards. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Are we gonna go cardster diving again? Yeah. So, I think I'm four back from you. If memory serves. I have 15 packs left. These, of course, being the Star Trek The Next Generation Portfolio Prints Trading Card Series 2. No, I have 12 packs, so... What does that mean? I'm three behind? Yep. Alright, let's see if I can do anything to close the gap. Oh! Got one on the first pack. God damn it. I have... Beverly Crusher, rendered as a sort of cartoon. The card number is U4. There is no one other information. No other information than that. The hell? I'll... Here, I'm gonna send you a picture. Oh, this is like my wharf one. That's U11. Oh, yeah, that's gotta be it then. Yeah, it's, yeah. uh... It's Cartoon Crew. Yeah. God damn it. I didn't get anything bonusy in my pack. I've got a Silicon Avatar. We'll always have Paris. Eye of the Beholder. The next phase. And home soil. One of my other cards in this pack was Shishibishinj. <laughs> I think that's coming up. Too short a Shijin. The Defector. Face of the Enemy, the Littlest Bread Box episode. Yep. Here's one for Relic. <laughs> uh, Chain of Command Part 1. It's got a... It's got gold English <laughs> on there. Uh, okay, this is my third pack I'm opening now. I'm just going to go ahead and respond to some email. You're just going to tune out from, from the show while I <laughs> dig and dig and dig. 
And nothing ever comes of it. I like your chances two packs from now of hitting a card. Oh, I've, I've got one for Shades of Grey, which appears not to be a just a collage of other cards from the series, <laughs> unfortunately. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Come on, Juan Ortiz. Get it together, buddy. Has Juan Ortiz on Twitter? Does he know about our... Oh, here's a fun one for where silence has lease, and it's a, uh, it's a, in all red and black, wharf desperately trying to open a door. <laughs> it's the uh, Nagilam episode, I believe. With all his strength. Good times. This is number five. Galaxy's Child. Oh, I got a signature in here. Oh, who do we got? Who do we have? Ensign Sonia Gomez. Do you remember her? Uh, is she the one who has coffee spilled on her? I think she spills it on, like, the captain or Geordi or something. Right. Man. Good guess. She has, she has some some hair. And the, the fun thing about uh, Alicia Naff is that her signature includes a heart. So you can oh. tell that she truly loves me. That's sweet. Yeah. She's rocking that wet hair look. Yeah, she has a, uh, she really has like a, like, whatever is next door to a jerry curl. <laughs> Man. The, uh, the boarded up house next door to the jerry curl. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wet look. I have not very many packs left, Adam. I'm, I'm hoping there's just a lot of home run hitters in, in, the, in this box at this point. Boy, that'd be fun. Otherwise, I got like kind of a dud box, right? Shouldn't they have roughly similar numbers of of uh, fancy cards? They should. I feel like already we've had more in our series two boxes than we did in series one. This is why I never gamble. Like, if I go put my own money into buying us series two, I'm gonna get fucked over somehow. This is almost exactly why I do gamble. This is fun. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> well, uh, one thing that was and is a sure thing, Ben, is uh, is one of our favorite episodes, I thought. Mm. Season 6, episode 18, Starship Mine. The entrepreneur is going to get fumigated. They are building a circus tent outside of it and they're going to spray for bugs everybody's uh, going to check into a motel down the road for a few days while the toxic chemicals do their work there's some fun world building right it really is I love hearing the like announcements in the hallways attention personnel on decks 14 and 15 your transporter room assignment has been changed and like everybody's like scurrying to get everything done before they have to shove off they're also telling you the rules while they're talking about other things, right? The doctor's right. got some living stuff. This Baryon sweep is going to kill all of it. it what is are we going to do about exposition? It? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the captain is like wandering through the hallways, like trying to—he's trying to get his own shit done. But you know, everybody has a little last-minute question or thing that they want him to sign off on, and he keeps having to kind of like, yeah, no, you go tell them that they can use the transporter in the cargo bay 
that should be good enough. It's a glimpse into Cap- Captain Picard's life that I think we rarely get. So often we see him in the ready room in solitude or in his quarters playing the recorder. But we rarely see him out and about as like a man about his starship town, you know, and how <laughs> yeah. difficult that's got to be as basically the celebrity of his ship. Right. Can you like run up to Captain Picard with some shit if you're like a lieutenant or do you have to be senior staff? I don't know because it's so hard to think of an analog to to what we have right now. I guess I guess if you're a politician walking right. to work, you could be <laughs> you could be approached by a regular Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, like a Joe the plumber type. <laughs> and by that I mean exactly Joe the plumber. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fun scene. I think we get I think we get just about all of the main cast in this in this scene. Picard doesn't seem to have a great capacity for this either. Even no. for for people who are like look, it's I think the the situation we were describing just a moment ago was about like commoner bugging uncommon, but these are senior staff people coming up to him with problems and proposed solutions. That it, and that's even getting his his cockles up. I have seven living tissue samples that won't survive the barrier and sweep any more than you and I would. I've tried to reason with uh, them. All right, uh, have Command LaForge transport a stasis unit from the astrophysics lab. I think he's just irritated because he's like, do I have to fucking think of everything? Just, you know, get Geordi to use one of the stasis chambers from the astrophysics lab for your fucking samples, Beverly. Like, give me a break. It's like they've already forgotten about Jellicoe's brief time on the ship. Jellicoe yeah. empowers the crew to get things done. Yeah. This is a ship full of children. They all need daddy's sign-off. Yep. Yeah, it, it sort of makes it seem like Picard is much more of a micromanager than we know him to be. Like, he's not usually like this. Like, when Geordi comes and says, I think Barkley's not that great a, a crewman, he's like, well, figure out a way to get along with him. Not, not He's not like... He's not, like, up in everybody's business all the time. This also makes me curious about how often they drill abandoning the ship. Because you know how, like, on a commercial aircraft, like, the rule is, the law is you're supposed to be able to evacuate the plane in something like 90 seconds or two minutes. It's some unfathomable number. Right. But... It'd take weeks for everyone to get on off of this ship if if they leave the way that we're seeing in this opening before credits scene. When you get on a cruise ship, they have like a muster at some point, like on the first day, and they like go through all the like lifeboat procedures. You would think that a, a starship crew would be pretty drilled up on this. Yeah, not the case. Especially when I would have assumed that they knew this was coming for a while. <laughs> yeah, we have to do so what when <laughs> the deal is that like because they've been warping around so much the hull of the ship has built up baryon particles and they have to they're like their fumigation is gonna sort them out for this so it's uh it's gonna kill all like organic matter as is like a side effect so they they just everybody gets off the ship and um they're setting up like they're setting up like damping fields in certain parts of the ship where there's like sensitive electronics that they don't want to get messed up i was wondering if data could hang like 
would would data survive this if it's something that they care about i feel like they're using the dampening field and i don't know man i guess the way that that data treats himself would lead me to believe that data would want to try it but (laughs) i think they'd probably set data up with one of these dampening fields maybe they don't trust data alone on the ship yeah i guess not (laughs) the other thing with data is that he's uh he's trying out small talk like picard gets on the elevator and data's on there and he he's like it has been quite a day that was some gaff by local politician wasn't it <laughs> picard is like what the fuck is going on data and uh data's like oh i've uh i've written a new program for small talk so how do you think i did <laughs> And Picard has a pretty withering insult here. Perhaps it was a little too non-relevant. They're really pushed in hard on both of their faces in this scene. Did you notice that? Yeah, they're they're also standing with their shoulders like physically touching, which uh, I never do on an elevator. Well, I mean, they're doing that thing that's like uh, TV and film close is different than real life close. Yeah. So I sort of gave that a pass, but the composition is really in there. Like, you're really into every fold in the face. Yeah, you could see that one of Data's contact lenses was coming off of his cornea a little bit, and you could see the the brown of his real eye behind it. Hmm. It was that close. <laughs> Picard gives him some uh, some free social advice. <laughs> He's like, you might want to tone it down a little bit with the small talk. Like, it's not it's not super cool to literally talk about nothing. Why don't they have salsa on the table? What do you need salsa for? But I'll tell you one thing. This Commander Hutchinson down on the planet's surface, he's going to be a guy who knows, who's like a black belt in this shit. So prepare to acquaint yourself. Worf is aware of Commander Hutchinson's reputation and manages to secure an excuse not to go to the welcoming reception. Request permission to be excused from Commander Hutchinson's reception. <laughs> and Jordy's like, oh, snap. Uh, Captain, permission to Mr. be... Mr. LaForge, I cannot excuse my entire senior staff. Mr. Worf beat you to it. Which was really fun. It was like a, a totally good joke that was written as a moment of comedy that played, that didn't break anybody's character. It was so, it was, it was so nice to see that. Like, like somebody in the writer's room successfully inserted comedy into this not-that-comedic show and pulled it off. There are a few instances of that throughout this episode. This is the moment that I started thinking about, like, you know how when a when a United States Navy ship has to go through the Panama Canal or something. Like, there are all sorts of areas of the globe where they've got to put into port for some reason. Like, and this is one of those moments for the Enterprise, right? A man, a plan, a baryon sweep. (laughs) Entrepreneur. Yep. And... Like, they're using contract labor to do this. This is not like a Federation company that does this service like yeah. why isn't Warp's place with the senior staff on a planet surface like for security reasons alone well Warp isn't a bodyguard he's he's a tactical officer like I I think he kind of he kind of serves as chief of police but I don't think that his 
I don't think that his role is really like muscle as such. I just think this whole setup is some is like is this crew slowly pulling their pants down. <laughs> but they have no reason to mistrust these people also. Like like Hutch is there. Like he's fucking annoying, but he's he's not running he's he's not like running a criminal enterprise or anything. Like they don't Yeah. Yeah, when you like, see Hutch, you you cannot possibly suspect anything untoward. Yeah, which is maybe what lulls them into this false sense of security. Yeah. They've mostly cleared off the ship. Uh, Captain Picard has like a last little moment on the bridge where he kind of like takes a deep breath and like runs his hands over some of the panels. It's nice. Yeah, it is the exact opposite of the moment we got to open the show, which is like the harried captain descended upon by his senior staff for every answer to every question. Like that quiet time alone with his ship was really nice to see. Yeah. And there's also uh, that, that feeling of like, uh, I used to work in an office environment. And after everyone leaves, that stillness of the workplace that you never get during office hours is really enjoyable. It really is. And they really like, I think that they up the ante in their selling of this when the, when the like work crew comes onto the bridge and he kind of silently goes into the elevator and gets out of there. Like he avoids the kind of, that kind of like, interaction with the people he wasn't expecting to see there he was enjoying the privacy of that moment and he doesn't he doesn't upset the privacy of it yeah yeah it's nice this is an episode what what is about to unfold is in this and in many other scenes just seeing the ship in a different light seeing it yeah. even in a literal different light it's right. so fun to be there when it's quiet and dark, even when you're running for your life. It's just a really great visual. It really reinforces that Star Trek is a place when you get to see the place under different circumstances, you know? Right. So the idea is they've got to shut off all the power to the ship. They've got to murder it out <laughs> and then run this beam over it to get all the poopy off. And yeah, this beam uh... is not great for... for uh, anyone who is made of biological matter. It's uh, it's basically like a a green, like advancing firewall. You know, like it's it's you go and die if it hits you. Yeah, it starts at the base and then ends at the tip. <laughs> we come back from opening credits and uh, the reception has started. And it's like a bunch of the senior staff kind of, you know, there's kind of like a uh, table with some with some arrayed appetizers and um, Data is having a fun time kind of like lurking in the, you know, he's like hiding behind potted plants while this Commander Hutchinson like chats up different people. And, you know, you you get the sense very quickly that like nobody really wants to be in commander Hutchinson's sights because if he is like if he has you he's like going to talk your ear off and it's just going to be inane as fuck 
This is the sort of party that has like super tall glassware filled with candy and snacks. <laughs> this glassware always seems like it would be a good idea to own, but you only ever use it once. Yeah. It's the kind of glassware that if you're not extremely careful is going to dump a bunch of red liquid all over your uniform. That's what I'm saying. Riker's walking around with a glass. Jordy's walking around with a glass. You never see them drink out of them, and I think that's for good reason. Hella dangerous. Yeah. Uh, so among the people here are Hutchinson, and then there's these other two loafy guys. The planet is uh, has like an alien population. And one of them is Orton, who's like the administrator of the array, I guess. Played by, played by Glenn Morshauer, uh, a real that guy. And I didn't even recognize him under all that loaf. They gave him a lot of it. Uh, awful lot of loaf on Morshauer in this episode. But uh, you might recognize him from playing every Secret Service agent ever. <laughs> uh, he's from 24, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he's Secret Service in 24, but he's played Secret Service in, like, a ton of movies and stuff. He played uh, a security officer on this show also, didn't he? I believe he did, yeah. He's got next-gen credits. He plays his character really interestingly because, you know, he's sort of like space garbage dump guy and that he is easily <laughs> frustrated by his circumstances and the people he has to work with. But he's yeah, yeah. he's not he's not super like venomous about that. He really dials it back into an interesting like he's really in the margins a little bit of his own character in a fun way. Right. He's not defeated and he's not and he's not rip shit. He's this kind of quiet man who is uh irritated. The way he gives Riker gratitude for getting him off the hook of his conversation with Hutchinson is great. Thank you. You're welcome. It made me like him in a weird way. Yeah. Like, even he can't stand that guy. <laughs> Hutchinson's, uh, Hutchinson's gonna get his. You gotta wonder how much he hates Hutchinson, given what happens in a little bit. <laughs> well, Hutch walks up to Picard and is... I guess Picard like tries to introduce Hutch to to Troy and Geordi to see if that'll get him off the scent and he lets slip that there's like places to ride horses around here and Picard is like, Oh word? For real, for real? Like I'm I'm going back to the entrepreneur and getting my saddle. And uh and like that is that's like a sufficiently weird excuse that Hutchinson doesn't doesn't realize what's going on. Picard is back on the entrepreneur with his saddle, and he is like changed into a suede a suede jacket and a deep V and some pretty like slick looking riding boots and like jodhpurs. And uh, he's he's like in the hallway, and he's like, "Hey, why is why is that panel open and those and those uh, electric cables cut? What's going on there?" And he walks over to it, and Tim Russ, who will go on to play Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager as a human, walks up to him, and he's like armed. 
I, th- I think for the sake of ease, we'll call him Huvac. <sighs> and Picard thinks pretty quick. He, he's like, um, he's like, oh, my name's uh, Mott. I'm the barber. Best in Starfleet. And, uh, and Huvac is like, well, uh, I don't know what the fuck is, is going on with you, but like you, you're not supposed to be here right now. And, um, and, and Picard is like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get the F out of here. And he turns around and like, just before Huvac shoots him with his laser gun, Picard turns around and baps him with the saddle, knocks him down and, uh, and like drags him off into another room. It's a pretty good fight scene, actually. Correct me if I'm wrong, but does he not neck pinch him also? Yeah. Which has got to be like... That's man, a Sarek like, thing, right? He got that a, in the meld. Oh, you think he uh, You think he picked it up from the meld? Oh, yeah. that's. I'm that, positive. That's where my headcanon's at. Oh, Adam, that is some rock-solid headcanon. Right? That is that is a throbbing hard headcanon. Just majestic. Could hang a washcloth on it. Oh, man. <laughs> you, might, you might need to because it's dripping. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, like, this is not the first time in this episode where a Federation officer will do that look away and then kick some guy's ass. Yeah. That's the first lesson in the Starfleet Fight Club dojo, right? You gotta learn that move first. (laughs) You never say, I'm gonna fight you, Steve. You just smile and act natural, and then you sucker punch it. Picard runs off and he basically like beelines for the transporter bay and he's like just setting up the transport to get himself off the ship when the power cuts and he's left in a dark room on the pad with no transporter and no way to turn it back on the lighting here is so great or the lack of it i mean we've seen the Enterprise in various states of damage, uh, various states of power outage even, and to see it just dark, like dark with the um, only only the emergency lights on, was so affecting and cool. Yeah. One day I had to... I You ever have one of those edits where you have to edit overnight the shoot that happened that day and deliver the next morning? Try to avoid it, Adam, but it has happened to me. Yeah, I had to do one of those uh, a couple years ago, but I had to do it on site in the office building. And the door to the edit suite, you know, the edit suite didn't have any windows, but all of the office space around it did. And after like six hours of editing, I opened up the door to go to the bathroom and to to like see the office space totally dark, save for one (laughs) fluorescent bulb was super creepy, and that's what it made me think of when I saw the dark transporter room. Yeah. It's such a great moment for him to set the timer on it, too, and have it blip out as soon as he gets on the pad. Yeah. Really great. Very, very good. So we're back in in the reception, and the entrepreneur senior staff are just chilling out. Data has... Data has gone full bore with his small talk program, like he is boring the shit out of Orton. Uh, at some point, he like starts talking to to Hutch, and that's like 
two pigs in shit. But, this is uh, really cracking up Beverly and Riker, too. They're very yeah. much enjoying this. The The deal is, like, they are completely oblivious to what's going on. And we cut back to the entrepreneur, and, like, Picard has got Huvak on the floor in, uh, I think it's in Six Bay, and he's, like, interrogating him. He's got a phaser out, and Huvak is like... The Barian sweep uses a high-frequency plasma field. Your phaser won't work. You're probably right. I'd like to bet this well. A laser welder can be deadly. Huvak's like, yeah, but the thing is, you're a good Federation person. Uh, the Geneva Convention would seem to indicate that uh, I'm going to be just fine. So Picard is like going to try and ply him for information, and Huvak won't give it up. Yeah, real dead end, real fast. Yeah, it's it like I feel like maybe Picard hyposprays him a little too quickly because yeah, it almost this, feels like we're missing a scene here. Yeah, because this guy's like a hardened criminal, but he's not a He's not like a secret agent who's had like anti-interrogation training or something, right? Like, what the f- like? He knows the jig is up for him at this point. Why does he? Why doesn't he just turn in the other guys and and get a lighter sentence or whatever? I don't know. Maybe he knows the punishment for turning on his crew is worse than this. Hmm. Maybe this crew is harder than we think. Oh, listen, Ned. Don't you try to. I think your team Zisu ring might have caught me on the lip. Yeah, maybe. Picard uh, hyposprays him and knocks him out and is, like, heading off to uh, see if he can't figure out what's going on. I think he's, like, taking the guy's radio at this point. It's a classic move. That's what your what your uh, John McClane's will do, what your Jason Bournes will do. Got to take the radio from the bad guys. Did you get a good and- look at this radio and the symbol that was on it? Uh, they go pretty close on it. I didn't. I didn't look carefully at it. It sort of looked like the symbol of their crew was a narwhal. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's well, fun. Maybe that's just me. Good luck scanning the Enterprise with the Baryon sweep. Thanks, Mister Narwhal. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Picard doesn't make it very far before another. That's from Elf. Before another lady. Uh, catches him and and actually like takes him into custody at this point this is one of those uh those criminal crews where the girls are more badass than the guys i kind of like that flip of the script they're pretty scary you know yeah they don't they're not styled to look scary like they didn't cast scary looking people but they seem to be like really like willing to do pretty horrible things there is one of the aliens in their crew that has got, like, anti-loaf. His, his face is so big compared to the rest of his head. He's, uh, he's like, all face and three-head <laughs> instead of four-head. Like, his proportions are way off. Are you talking about the kind of meek guy that's yeah. doing all the, all the work? Yeah, I am talking yeah. about that guy. Yeah, that guy was pretty weird. Yeah. I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. You are all. This is a fun opportunity for Beef Stew to go a little first blood here, right? On his own ship. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is all about improvised weapons and traps. 
you, yeah, it's fun because like some of the rules of the world have been changed. Like, yeah, if fa- like if if phasers worked, then he would have weapons he could access all over the ship, but they don't. So there's like four or five phaser hand phasers that the bad guys brought that work, and everything else doesn't. And with the added specter of the Baryon sweep itself as the, you know, as as the sort of robotic antagonist that sees no good side or bad side, that is just yeah. the unstoppable killing machine. And it's and it just like it raises the stakes every second that they're on board because there's a smaller and smaller portion of the ship that they can safely be on. This episode does one thing really interesting with the sweep itself, which is it never shows you what it does to a person. Everyone mm-hmm. who dies dies off screen. I kind of wanted to see what it did. We've seen the gore phaser before. Can't be worse than that, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's it's like Jaws, you know? It's like, like ships in the array, our ship. <laughs> <laughs> and, when that, and when that baryon sweep hits you... It's eyes roll back. Captain sort of sounds like Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it's all one fucking impression, it, Adam. That's basically it. We have one impression only. <laughs> one impression only. I think I would have liked to have seen what the sweep did to a person. I I think that is one area that I would criticize this episode. Okay. Just saying. This is the scene. Like, Captain Picard has been taken custody. I think we get the brief scene where, like, the senior staff find out that there's guns all over this room that they're having their their light appetizers in. Yeah, like, Jordy sees looking. them buried in the crudite. I was just getting some very strange energy readings from your table here. Oh, I'm sure it's nothing serious. <laughs> and that forces the hands of the aliens. And so, like, they, they shoot Hutch. And I guess... I guess Hutch is killed, right? They fucking kill Hutch. And it's the guy who was so annoyed by him in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Man, capital punishment for chattiness, huh? <laughs> no Cathy's will be permitted to be chatty. They shoot Hutch and they also shoot Jordy. And the laser that comes out of this gun incapacitates Jordy and also removes his sleeves. To his uniform? I was confused by this. Did it really? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't why notice is, that his sleeves were off. Why is Jordy sleeveless the rest of the episode? Gotta show those guns, I guess. He he is showing some pipes. Well, while they're locked up, we get to meet the rest of the heist crew. And they are... Uh, they're down in main engineering doing something to the warp engine. And... Well, one thing they do, like, brings the lights back up slightly, and, um, and, like, the, the lady that captured Picard comes down, and he explains that he's Mott the Barber, and they're like, well, we'll see about that, and they, uh, they have him, like, take a seat down in the corner of, uh, kind of, kind of, like, right where Shimoda made his little, his famous Jenga set. Yeah. And uh, I guess they forgot to search him because he still has Huvox laser in his pants. And uh, that was real dumb. 
Yeah, that was a that was some bush league shit on this on this heist cruise part. They're not used to taking hostages, clearly. I mean, they say that they've been planning this for a long time, and that's this is like the kind of thing you've got to plan for. You've got to you've got to expect the unexpected in any in any criminal activity. Picard does that thing where he he takes the paperclip and sticks it in the outlet. Causes enough distraction that the uh, that he's able to like fuck up their uh, their damping field generator, which means they're going to have to clear out of out of main engineering with a lot less time on their hands than they had expected. So it's compressing their timeline, which is just like this episode is great at like remembering to keep raising the stakes. Yeah, one of the- I mean the stakes are not super high, right? Like like. The captain could die, but it's not the ship is going to be blown up or Earth is going to be destroyed or the Romulans are going to start a war with the Federation. You know, like we've had much higher stakes, but it makes sure to start with like high high enough stakes to get your interest and ratchet the tension up. Right. The key piece of information you learn here through Picard is that... Up until now, it's been wrong that people have been on the ship, but you don't really know what they're doing there. And what they're trying to do is is harvest this waste product off of the Enterprise engines and yeah. then sell it to terrorists to use in their bomb making. Uh, it's, tri- it's trilithium that they're trying to steal. Is that the same shit that, uh, that Sting used in, in uh, the first Next Generation film? It is the very same. Yeah, you can use trilithium to destroy stars. Yeah. So I don't know if we know that yet, but... These missiles will destroy star stuff. (laughs) (laughs) A little little Kevin in your JFK there. God, he's he's inescapable. (laughs) Doesn't... uh... Doesn't JFK do that with his S's? Isn't that a big part of the impression? Yeah. No, that's part of it. All right. Um, but uh, part of part of what Picard has done is also like cause some, some shit to vent out of the warp core, which brings the the safety garage door down. <laughs> and he he slips under it and like one of the one of the other bad guys slips under it also and there ensues like a really fun crawling chase scene <laughs> it was very hard to very hard to have a, a, a chase scene look badass when everybody is on hands and knees it's a little bit wet hot american summer it's a little <laughs> bit like peppy Le Pew and and female skunk like <laughs> i was also thinking like these floor grates do not look comfy for the knees. Oh, the knee has got to be... If you're an actor... S- singing on that thing. And the guy chasing Picard, you can tell that he's not enjoying it because he's not putting a lot of weight down on those knees. He's sort of like doing that crawl where your butt's up in the air and you're not putting all your weight on your knees. You're sort of like spider crawling. Do you think they gave Peace to some like neoprene knee pads to put under his uniform, but they didn't give this other guy that because he wasn't a star? Are Jodhpurs not already padded in in some ways that would be useful on deck plating? I don't know, man. I've never worn any. 
I don't want you to take this the wrong way, Ben, but you seem like someone who has at one time worn jodhpurs. Do I look like Erica Estrada, the star of Chips? Can you do his trick with his uh, hairline where he like makes it look like he's wearing a wig by, by pulling his hair around his skull? <laughs> That's a fun trick. No. <laughs> Picard wheels around a corner, crawling, opens up a door, and uh, much to his chagrin, the sweep is coming down the tunnel. So he's got to get out of there. And the other guy comes around the same corner and sees Picard's jacket. And so he goes up to it. The door has been closed up. So he's like looking at the jacket and the sweep comes right through the door and he looks up. And then Picard, like, in the hallway, hears the guy screaming bloody murder. Sounds like an agonizing way to go, right? Well, especially if because his face was facing the sweep. Like, he's so slow on the uptake. I guess it started at at the top of his head. (laughs) Had to be awful. And, And somehow incapacitated him so quickly that he couldn't turn around i guess crawling backwards would be pretty difficult in that circumstance i was picturing him like turning around and kind of misjudging it and getting a foot into that thing and the Uh, the pain being so compromising yeah yeah it it seems really grisly whichever version you you headcanon it to be though yeah and so the body count is rising because picard's plan of using non-lethal weaponry doesn't really work because when he incapacitates someone, the baryon sweep just comes through for the body. Right. So I think that's kind of why Picard decides to take this a little bit more seriously and go down to Wars quarters and arm himself with some <laughs> some medieval weaponry. And uh, one of the things he gets is a crossbow that he like dips the darts in uh, Worf's suicide medicine. <laughs> And uh, on the communicator, he gets wind that what they're stealing is trilithium. And they're, they're going to try and get this trilithium to 10 forward in like an improvised canister. And Picard breaks radio silence to be like, Kelsey, don't be a fool. You know better than to try to move trilithium resin. You don't just move it in a thing that you made up MacGyver style on the spot. Casey, hand me that copper wire. You got it, McGruber. Caleb, that feather. Got you, Grooves. Casey, cup. Right here. There. 300 milligrams of trilithium. It's like in the Old West, if you were to put nitroglycerin in like a covered wagon for a journey, like that's right. the sort of danger they're they're proposing here. It's no bueno. And and they like the, I think the thieves have basically have basic like the tension has been ratcheted up on them as well so they're basically like well we either steal this and get out of here or we're going to be killed or imprisoned so you know getting like taking a risk like this is is like fine enough game theory for us at this point because we don't have a lot of hope anymore and so like so like three head is is like sucking the the trilithium out of the warp core and she like the the ringleader later lady Kelsey just like grabs the canister from him and is like let's go and he's like don't do that 
her point is really well taken, which is like... Don't be so tense, Neil. Listen, if something goes wrong, you won't have time to worry about it. Let's go. I liked her whole deal for being, like, the heavy of the episode. Uh, she had a lot of charisma. I liked her. She really did. She's a very likable villain. Yeah. And she, she it's, it's a character that I would just love to get to know more about. Yeah. You know, like, what drove her to her life of crime? Is she really, like, the sociopath that she seems to be? Or is there... Is there something complicating that? It's nice to be reminded that in this universe, there is such a thing as commerce for those who are unscrupulous, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you can go the Federation path, or you can go the uh, the Han Solo path, or whatever, <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of Han Solo-ish. It's neat to see the two universes sort of collide like this. Yeah, this is totally Star Wars trying to pull a heist on Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) The senior staff is, like, putting together a little plan in their captivity. The plan is that they can modify something about Geordi's visor to make a very loud sound that will knock everybody but Data out. And so they're going to do that and let Data, like, take control of the situation and try and sort out the bad guys. Isn't it isn't it weird that I mean I understand that you know making an, a, an improvised weapon out of Jordy's visor sounds pretty cool, but like it's too bad you can't turn Data into a car alarm or something and like have him vocalize the same thing. Mm-hmm. Data yeah, seems like it, a great instrument for getting out of a hostage situation, and at no point is he productive in that way. Yeah, he's he seems to be. Like, he could have ripped these guys apart, right? Yeah. Like, when they were starting to... Like, when they whipped the guns out, Data could have ripped them apart. Yep. Maybe there's some logic that, like, he doesn't know what's going on with the rest of the crew, and maybe ripping these guys apart would be bad for everybody else or something. They don't really, like, explain why Data doesn't just, like, go... Go six million dollar man. Right. Yeah. I like the idea of Data making the noise, though. Like, what the fuck? The visor doesn't have a speaker in it. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't make any it just sense. So- it just sounds like a like a camera flash recharging. It doesn't even sound like a loud noise. Meanwhile, Hutch is on the floor just evacuating his dead bowels. <laughs> like, they don't even bother to move his body. They just cover him with a tablecloth. Yeah. You can tell that Hutch doesn't, like... He's, he's eaten... He's eating poorly, so it's got to it's got to be really raising a, a hell of a stench. It's nothing but wine and peanut M and M's or something. <laughs> Not a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables at this party. Yeah, yogurt dipped raisins. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Yeah, one of the thieves has like fifty nostrils on his face. Like it's just all nostrils. <laughs> Got how many green hair? How many breathe right strips does he need to put on before going to bed? How many Biore strips does he need <laughs> to use to get blackheads off of his face? His face is like forty T zones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he has a surprisingly unoily complexion for as many T zones as he has. <laughs> Puberty hit that guy real hard. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, do you think that's just ac- acne scars? He's human, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that poor guy. Oh. He had to full-on choose a different race. His acne was so bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Accutane, uh, Accutane was not on the market when... <laughs> When it hit him, and he was just like, "I'm going. I'm going to go loaf. <laughs> That's the only path for me now." <laughs> this guy catches the uh, a dart from Worf's crossbow in the leg, and it and it knocks him out. And um, Picard is leaning over him when, once again, <laughs> he gets he gets t- taken into the custody of the bad guys. Hold it. This is like the third time he's been caught with his pants down by these guys. I am beginning to think that Picard may be hard of hearing because in a completely deserted starship, he's not hearing the people walk up right behind him. Yeah, it seems weird. Yeah. Maybe he should get that checked out by Dr. Beverly. Yeah. Well, when all this when all this fun and games is over, maybe he'll take a trip down to Six Bay and do a little hearing test. There's a pretty gruesome scene in the Jeffries tubes where uh, Kelsey and and Three Head are like, they've like just about made it to ten forward, and she's like, "What's up with this? What's up with this canister? Is it going to be hard to get the nasty, nasty stuff out of it?" And he kind of like talks her through how. He's planning on doing it, and she's like, thanks, buddy, and she phasers him. The key to membership in any heist, Ben, I know you and I know this, is to always make yourself uh, useful. Never right. re- never remove your utility from the group. Otherwise, people aren't going to want to split their share with you. Something about the escape has got to be on your shoulders. Yes, and this guy, this guy forgets that, and that's why he dies. Yeah. Yeah, Kelsey is like is like, all right, Huvok died. The guy with the really bad acne died. I can take this guy out. Now I'm splitting my share 50/50 with this other lady. Yeah. Like this this is going great for me. Yeah. This is this this heist is not going exactly as planned, but a lot of these a lot of these accidents have benefited my pocket. She's getting more wealthy by the minute. Yeah. So they get up to 10 forward and the Captain has set up a little trap here for them, which is that there's like some powder that we see him mixing. He set up some stage pyrotechnics from like a heavy metal rock show. <laughs> like he's he wants to rock show finale the ten forward area. Right. Yeah. Wayne and Garth have backstage passes. Garth's <laughs> just putting on a great show. Yeah. No encores. He's basically fist-fighting Kelsey for the last gun. And they tussle the way that's like... It's like two kids in junior high fighting, but they make the rule like, no punches to the face because I have braces, you know? Yeah, like like she's throwing, she's throwing haymakers at him, and he's doing all grappling as much as he possibly can. And leg grappling at that. Yeah. She, like, knocks him down pretty bad and runs back over to her canister... He, like, gets off the floor just long enough to get over to her. Uh, but she turns around. She's got the gun. She's like, back the fuck off. Well, Picard, I guess I'll be the one to send your regrets. 
and beamed out she gets. And the captain is like stuck in 10 forward. The contour carrier base. Deactivate the barium sweep. The array is still fumigating. Like the field is coming toward him closer and closer, and he's like crawling up into the windows to get as far away from it as it is possible to get on the ship. And he's like desperately radioing. And it just turns off at the last minute. And he's like, hey, uh, <laughs> thanks, guys. And Data goes, hey, there's a ship just uh, just just leaving out of there. Is there uh, anything we should do about that? And Picard looks down on his hand, and he's got the little stabilizer from the from the canister. And he's like, they're not going to get that far. <laughs> Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. Oh, yeah, it's a total Die Hard 2 thing. Yeah. Good call. Oh, he is. He's like face down in the runway, watching the the flames chase the about to take off plane. I love how they use the ten forward space in this scene. Like, not only do they fight in it, it's been fought in a million times. Like, that's not the the fun part, but but the crawling up into the windows part is great. Yeah, super good. The uh, crew comes back aboard. Captain McCard's down in six bay, getting the little bumps and scrapes he picked up in his fight with the bad guys. And he's like, yeah, but I just want to know about where my saddle is, guys. And uh, they're, they've uh, apparently been tearing the ship apart looking for it. And Worf comes in. This is another great little bit of world building. Worf is like, somebody put it in a maintenance closet. And I just love the idea that like there's somebody on the ship... That's like, what's this fucking saddle doing in the middle of the hallway? Well, I guess I better put it somewhere. Puts puts it in a maintenance closet and walks away. And, like, they don't have, like, a... You know, they're not going to put it out on, like, a shipwide announcement if you know where the captain's saddle is. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's not a good look. Yeah, so... so it they keep just, it on like, the down just, low. Yeah. Worf finds it. There's your horsey button. Fun episode. Did you like this episode, Adam? Yeah, I I really did. It was great in retrospect and great on the rewatch. Loved it. Mountain yeah. worthy. Totally mountain worthy. I think uh, that is an uncontroversial mountain ep. Yeah, agreed. At least for the two of us. Maybe our viewers will <laughs> vociferously disagree. But messages authentic. <laughs> Do we have anything else we want to say about this episode, or do you want to just get right into Priority One messages? Let's get into them tasty, tasty P1s. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. By the interest alone, could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we only have one Priority One message on the docket today. We have a message here from Commander Snowden, and it's to Captain Superdoodle. It says this. Happy one-year anniversary. You are my favorite person, the best captain in the fleet, and the love of my life. I always want to be your number one. Love, Commander Snowden. Aww. That's real sweet. Real, real sweet. sweet. I think that uh, I think that was that was heartfelt and loving enough to make up for there only being one P one this week. That's great. That is a that's a Snowden who does not need to hide their love in some far off country with 
strange extradition rules, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you would like to uh, fill in the gaps in our P1 schedule, which actually is like really full for the next several weeks. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but if you'd like to send a P1, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Um, where a personal message is a hundred bucks and a commercial message is two hundred bucks. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. 
Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Who's your drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Brent Spiner. <laughs> yeah. Kind of has to be. All, all caps. He just says he's, he is... Brent hand clap emoji, Spiner hand clap emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You... you you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. I mean, the scene where he is, he is like wordlessly mimicking Hutch is one of the great scenes of his career. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's so, it's so in character. There's uh, one of our, uh, one of our viewers has like a, a gif in her, on her Twitter handle or something where she's like doing, some of the little like looks and and uh, gestures. She's like done like a shot for shot redo <laughs> of Brent Spiner doing this, and it's like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I wish I could think of her username off the top. Of I my know head. it's if hilarious. She, if she tweets at us, I'll retweet it. I mean, legally, the Shimoda must go to Brent Spiner. However, I am not giving my Shimoda to him. What? Just a little. To ham and cheese for my taste, Ben. I so disagree. I instead am giving my Shimoda to Commander Riker, who in a moment that we sort of glossed over, so they're coming up with this plan, right, to turn Geordi's visor into a car alarm, and they're like, the only thing we need is a distraction while we, while we turn little jeweler's screwdrivers on the visor to get it to do this thing we need it to do, and Riker's like, I've got an idea. So he saunters up to one of his captors and he's like, I would like to discuss terms. And the guy is like, I am not even trying to hear that right now. Go go <laughs> sit on the floor in the corner. And Riker's like, no, I really think, you know, like, you know, I'm a Federation guy. I've got to explain to you, like, diplomatically what needs to happen here. Humor <laughs> me, right? And he's like, fine. Eventually getting himself punched in the face several times, like... Riker's form of distraction is getting his ass kicked and he just gets the shit kicked out of him hard (laughs) in a way that like in a way that it's been since Admiral Quinn since we've seen Riker take it this bad yeah and he like sort of staggers back to Beverly like like did you get what you needed (laughs) Beverly Beverly's like yeah yeah, you really didn't have to lead with your face on that distraction, though. To me, that just seemed like a very fun, like, not not a fun scene for an actor, but a fun scene for a character, for Riker to do that. <laughs> have you ever gotten punched in the face or, like, known somebody who took a really hard punch to the face? I have not been punched in the face. Like, and by someone who has meant to do that, I should say. I... Uh, used to hang out with a person who I later stopped hanging out with. (laughs) But one time we were at a bar in Manhattan and this person chose to help themselves to a piece of 
art hanging on the wall literally like took off their t-shirt and fitted around this this uh painting or whatever it was and tried to walk out the door of this like crowded manhattan bar and the bouncer just threw like the craziest haymaker and uh their face was like swollen shut for the rest of the week it was wow it, it was like it was like a month ruining injury this this one punch to the face and they didn't bleed or anything like Riker is bleeding out of both sides of his mouth. Yeah. I want to know more about this story. I have, I have a couple follow-up questions, Ben. It, it was pretty wild because I, I didn't want to be associated with what had happened. Yeah. And what did you do? I, well, I was stand, I, I was like standing outside with another, another person that we'd gone there with. And like when, when our, our then friend came came out with this like super obvious gambit of stealing the painting. And, um, I said to the bouncer, like, like you're not, cause the bouncer wanted to, to keep this person there, you know, do like a citizen's arrest. Uh-huh. And I was like, that will get you arrested for assault. You're not allowed to just punch somebody like, <laughs> like that. So maybe just let them go and be happy that your painting is still here. And, uh, you know, then we went and bought like a sack of frozen peas or something. But, God, it was like, it was like, oy. So he got <laughs> punched no right in front of you, too. Oh, yeah. It was ugly, man. Was he shirtless? Like, did he take off his only shirt and put it around the painting? It was shirt off and then jacket back on zipped up so that was the that was the way he thought he would look slick how great was this bar art Mm, i don't know good enough to attract the avarice of a stupendously drunk 20 something so did you help this guy recuperate like did you bring him peas and uh we were roommates at the time man oh no (laughs) Yeah. Was this the beginning of the end for you guys? Uh it was not, and that's that is my mistake. <laughs> wow, your your tolerance is far higher than mine. Yeah, I should have uh I've dumped roommates for parking in my parking spot. <laughs> Man. I'll Cold keep blooded. that in mind as our as our comedy partnership goes forward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode 19, Lessons. Picard is torn between love and duty when he is forced to send the woman he loves on a potentially deadly mission. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I am unclear about Picard's capacity for a standard definition of human love <laughs> at this point. So like for you to paint this picture of like it's, what's coming up is really going to be hurtful for Picard and he's got to like send someone to their death. Like Vash has been gone. Like he didn't even ask about Vash when Q came back and he was really in love with her. 
Yeah, he banged Vash and everything. Yeah, so, whatever, man. Like, I've got my doubts about him. I think maybe he, he could be a sociopath. He could Whoa. be that guy that you warn girls about. Dang. It's a pretty hot take, Ben. <laughs> Fresh, <laughs> hot out of the oven. Yeah, wow. I don't really remember this episode, though. I remember that they do a lot of playing music together, and rather than taking the form of jamming, it takes the form of them playing like Frere Jaca. Always with the Frere Jaca. Yeah. License free. It's the, it's, the, it's the first lady that Picard's felt comfortable enough around to show her his flute. It's hard. It's hard to get that first one out of the way. Yeah. The first reveal. Yeah, it can, it can make you really nervous. I know. That's why I like to make a joke out of it. <laughs> you, you like, like fake to, the uh, accident? Oh, you, I thought you were going to say, like, uh, she thinks you're going to go for a, a smooch at the end of the night in the car, and then you take it out. <laughs> he took it out. Way to just give yourself a nice drop there, Ben. <laughs> That's some drop theory. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're teaching drops 201. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With that kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, advanced drops is, uh, is not far around the corner, Adam. Yeah. You want to say goodbye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You you have such better transitions into the uh, into the last thing than I do. Well, uh, one one way that these two professors interact with their students is <laughs> on Twitter using the hashtag #GreatestGen. We're also at at uh, got a couple of Facebook pages. We occasionally comment on Reddit. We just sort of lurk around all of those places, occasionally jumping in when uh, free time presents itself. Yeah. Um... It's always fun. Um, go to maxfunstore.com for our merch. Stay connected to the email list and the social media stuff for tour info and Greatest Gen Con 2017 info. Yeah, how do people join that mailing list, Ben? You go to gach.biz slash mail. I think there's also a link to it on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a MailChimp sign-up. Uh, we don't ask for tons of information, just like... Name and name and email, basically. And what and, if uh, I wanted to send you an email to just tell you how great I thought you are? You could send that to drunkshimoda at gmail.com. And what if I wanted to leave a voicemail? Uh, I don't think that we have that set up yet. 206-984-4FUN <laughs> is the new Greatest Generation phone line. <laughs> if any of our listeners out there have had, I don't know what you'd want to call them, a, a great moment in their lives. How, how would you describe what this line should be used for, Ben? A singular like moment, a occasion. Yeah, a, like a great occasion or like a momentous. Right. That you know what that rolls off the tongue nicely. If any greatest generation viewer has had what they would deem a momentous occasion, yeah, we highly encourage them to use our new phone number. That that is two zero six nine eight four. For fun. And for the purposes of this phone call, you should call Ben Jordan and me, Jesse. (laughs) 
and assume we might have a guest because you know who knows right well with that we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation an episode of The Greatest Generation that is in beautiful harmony so sweet you ended that like a hallmark card <laughs> yeah lowered expectations sun's out flutes out <laughs> maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned listener supported